chair staff is ready when you are. We're ready to go. All right, everybody, welcome and uh, thank you for coming to the Water Committee meeting of the City of Sacramento this August 10th, 2021. Madam Clerk, will you please call a roll to attain a quorum? Thank you. Councilmember Valenzuela? Here. Councilmember Vang? Here. And Chair Harris? Present. So, uh, committee members, we've got four items on the agenda today, and I'd ask that so we can get through it. You know, we, we've been in the squeeze the last few meetings, so I'd just ask you to keep your comments relatively succinct and to the point so we can get through the agenda. Also know that I've talked to the clerk about maybe extending the length of our meetings to an hour and a half uh, so that we don't have this kind of time crunch. And it would also give her more time to transition to the subsequent meetings. Uh, so we'll look at that. And maybe if our agenda gets really busy, we might consider going to a meeting every two months rather than quarterly. So that being said, if we could have the first item, please. The Sacramento Utility Rate Assistance Program. And I believe Bill Busaith is presenting. That's correct, uh, Chair Harris. Thank you. And uh... Uh, Council members Vang and Valenzuela, appreciate your time today and the opportunity to present to you. Um, I'm Bill Busaith, the Department of Directors for the City of Sacramento. Um, as soon as the, uh, there we go, we got a presentation coming up. And if you'll go ahead and move that forward, Anne. Our first thing that we're going to uh, present is our recommendation on the Sacramento Utility Rate Assistance Program. Um, we are going to be recommending that we move from the current structure to a flat 25% discount. Um, you, can, you can see that that's less than the current discount or average discount uh, that is being offered to uh, our participants in this program. We're, we've made this recommendation for two reasons. One is, as you can see, it is at or above any other assistance that's being offered um, throughout the state that, that we are aware of anyway, or that we could find. And also it keeps us uh, sustainable under the current budget, at least for the next four years. Uh, that includes uh, sustainability uh, under the current budget, um, including uh, proposed rate adjustments uh, in uh, water and storm drainage. If those if those are successful, we we feel like we still would be able to stay in under the current budget. And so uh, move forward. You can see the comparison of the of what we're proposing and what the current discounts are uh, over to the over to the right. The twenty seven and a half is 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 the average of what we currently would be proposing. Uh, the 37 and a half is what the average customer gets now. We have a, a very small number of what we call le legacy participants who have been in the program since 2012 who are receiving a significantly higher discount. Next slide. Um, so go back to the slide before that. Um, so uh, as, I, as I mentioned, um, our recommendation is go is is to go to the twenty five percent, and uh, we're uh, you know looking for input from the from the committee. Uh, we're going to be moving forward, going to council in the next two to three weeks on this item, uh, and there'll be a, a this a similar presentation and a discussion at council. Um, whatever input here that we get here, we will we will note in the uh, in the in the council report. Um, Next recommendation that we have before we start the discussion on this, go ahead to the next slide. Um, about two years ago, probably maybe three years ago now at the council member Carr's request, we did a pilot project to see if it would be possible to do a renter's assistance program. And so we chose, or he chose a, a, an apartment complex. We determined how many in that apartment complex were eligible, would be eligible for our SURA program. Um, we calculated what their discount would be if they were, if they were direct um, water customers. 
and we paid them a one-time check of what that annual amount would be. Um, from that exercise, we've been able to extrapolate what that would look like throughout the city if we were to um, institute a program like that, a, a renter's assistance program. You see the cost, uh, uh, we would base it on the 25% discount rate that we're proposing. Um, the water benefit throughout the city would, you see, be a little bit over $1.2 million, and the wastewater would be about $600,000 with a little bit under $100,000 for administration, total being about $1.9 million in cost. And that, of course, would be above uh, more than our current budget uh, that we have for this program. We recommend not moving forward uh, with this program for two reasons, two main reasons. One, uh, we don't have budget under the current budget. There's not funding under the current budget. And second, there are at least three programs that are currently in play uh, that assist renters with uh, 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 the low-income renters with their rent and with their utilities. One is a program that's currently underway that's being administered lo locally by SHRA um, that provides that uh, renters can apply for assistance directly. Um, and we have worked with SHRA to make sure that our customers are aware of that program and even to assist them in, a, in, in applying if they, if they need assistance. The second program is a state program that's providing about a billion dollars statewide uh, for um, water and wastewater uh, rearages. Um, the schedule for that is, is that we're currently being asked to provide to the state the current amount of rearages that we have in the city. Um, the state in September should be developing the final guidelines as to how that, that program will be administered with the funds becoming available uh, in November. And then the third program is a program that's yet to be uh, fully developed. It's part of the, um, the, the federal COVID relief package. Um, it's the federal low income household water assistance program um, a, prob a little over $100 billion for the state, and uh, we don't have any idea how that, how that might be administered or how it might work. So that's my presentation on the, um, uh, on the Utilities Rate Assistance Program, um, open for questions or, or uh, uh, comments. Thank you, Bill. Um, committee members, I'm going to start out with a clarifying question. If we do go to 25%, uh, how many more people can be served under our current budget? It looks so, like it might be as many as a thousand ratepayers might yeah, be able so to receive assistance. Right now, we're at about 8,500. We anticipate going up to uh, over 10,000 or 10,500 in the next four years if we continue to increase as, as we have been working with the SMUD um, program. And so by that count, we would be able to fit another 2,000 or so under, you know, in the program, uh, you know, under the current budget. Okay, uh, I think that's important information. Thank you, Bill, for your presentation. I think it presented all the pertinent facts. I see uh, Member Valenzuela's hand is up. Thank you, Chair, and thank you, Bill, for that um, presentation and for the conversation we had in our briefing last week. This is something that. Um, I care a lot about. I was part of some of the advocacy at the Capitol for more utility debt assistance um, that will hopefully be rolling our way um, soon. And I really think that um, while this only seems like a few bucks um, a month, you know, this can really add up for some households. And, and I think we should take this change super seriously. And something that I'm concerned about is I don't want us to act before we fully understand what the state and federal programs mean for potential rate assistance and other sort of resources we might have on the table to help offset costs. So that's one point I just wanted to raise. Um, I know you mentioned that there's a lot pending. I mean, the trailer bill language just passed. They're still working on rules. The federal stuff is still pending. We don't know what this all means. And I know that the debt won't really the negative part of our budget won't really kick in until the latter part of the fiscal year. And so I'd love for us to take a little time to think about and make sure we understand what those programs mean for us and for ratepayers before we make decisions. Um, 
I also really want to understand, trying to understand what this means for the SURA customers, how many folks were in debt before COVID um, who potentially weren't able to pay bills or had arrears before COVID. Obviously, COVID sort of an anomalous year. So I'm curious if we have any data on whether SURA customers were having problems paying their bill before COVID. And then obviously during COVID, I'm curious to know how much of the debt we have that's being held by SURA ratepayers. I know in some utilities, as much as 100% of their debt um, was being held by low-income ratepayers. And so I really want to understand what we're starting from in terms of context with debt um, also um, before we get started um, on making or considering any changes to this. Um, I, my second bucket of concerns is really about just timing because I'm a little frustrated. I'll admit that this is coming up right after we finalize the budget for this year. And it feels like this would have been a really important conversation to have during the budget. Um, to, if we were anticipating a deficit um, to really have this discussion thoughtfully when resources were being put on the table and discussed. So I wanna flag this for the mid-year budget too um, as a conversation. I think that timing would make sense both for the program's projected deficit as well as when we would be able to really talk talk about what money we can put on the table um, and would also give us time to figure out those earlier questions. Um, and then my final point I'd say with comes to renters um, that, I mean, we do pay utility bills. Sometimes we do it directly. Sometimes we do it through our landlords, right? And um, by paying rent, that's where our money goes is to bills like property taxes and utility debt. And um, so I'm curious if instead of maybe targeting apartment dwellers, which I hear your recommendation on, if we could think about a program targeting like low-income landlords. Um, so if a, like a property manager, if it's an affordable housing development or if somebody's offering market, below market rents, if we could consider potentially an assistance program, a little bit more nuanced um, targeting those folks um, so that they could use that to hopefully preserve affordable rents for people. Um, so those are kind of my big three buckets. I don't know, Bill, if you had any responses to any of those, but um, um, that's some information I'd like before we bring this back to council so we could be really thoughtful about um, how we proceed. Hey, a um, couple of thoughts. Thank you for your input very much. And you expressed some of these in our, you know, in our briefing um, to you. We have been working on the one, your, you know, your one question about the correlation between the SURA you know, uh, recipients and those who have arrearages. You know, we're working on that and we don't have the answer to that yet, though Ann uh, Singer is, is, is working on that question diligently. Um, second point is there's nothing really driving this. Uh, you know, there's not, a, there's not anything urgent driving this. Uh, we probably, under the current um, structure and with an increase in customers, we probably would need additional, you know, funding, you know, possibly in 2022, but but probably in 2023, uh, those fiscal years. Um, and then, lastly, we could certainly look at a program that, you know, that uh, basically provides relief to landlords of you know of low-income residents what I don't think that we would be able to do. And it probably would be similar in scope to what we're proposing, you know, to, to what I proposed on that one slide. What I don't think that we would be able to mandate is what they do with that, you know, with that money. I, I, don't, I don't know whether we would be able to mandate that they pass that, you know, along to their renters. And so that's the, that, that would be the question that I would have about that. That's a fair question. Thank you, Bill. I, I look forward to more discussions on this. I think this is a really important conversation and really timely um, given all the programs that are moving at the state and federal level. So thank you, Chair, and thank you, Bill, um, for the thoughtfulness of this discussion. All right. Thank you, Candy and Committee Member Vang. Yeah, uh, Council Member Valenzuela touched on uh, some of the points that I was going to mention. So I'm not going to repeat, uh, but definitely Bill, I want to just ask really quick, what is the savings between the 37% and the 25% that the city would be able to? Just wanted to know what that number would be. Um, um, well, you'd ha I, I'd have to get that number for you. You saw on the table what it means per customer. Customer. Mm -hmm. We have about 8,500 customers. And so I guess if you just do the math, I guess it would be about 10 times 8,500 or about 85,000 uh, dollars if I'm able to just do the math real quick. Um, yeah. That's a pretty fair guesstimate. Fair guesstimate. Yeah, 
I, I, um, you know, this program, I mean, one, Bill, I just want to say thank you to you and staff and everyone that's been running the, the SARA program. I mean, it, it is a, a huge relief to many of the families, the families, a lot of district eight residents utilize, um, this program in particular. Um, and I think I, I think I was a woman that well, I'm really understanding, um, what are some of the programs rolling out and how it's going to impact customers in particular. The question I had was around timing. Um, if the water committee was to move this to council, uh, what, uh, what was that estimated timeline? We're proposing to bring this within the next two or three weeks. Um, uh, again, this is something we've been working on for a long time and we'd like to get wrapped up. But as I said, there's not anything that is mandating, you know, when we do this. And so there's not a, you know, our, our timelines are our own, you know, internal timelines. Um, and I think that they, they could be adjusted if, uh, if that's the will of the, of the committee. Yeah, I would, I would like to adjust the timeline, but I definitely want to stick to the timeline because I think, you know, we, this is a, a, a conversation we had with the committee, but also want to see how the other programs ro roll out in terms of impact, impact. Um, and I think um, when, when I think about the timing mid-budget, right, early next year, I think if this committee can kind of decide on how to move forward, and I, I like to bring it back to council close to mid-year budget if possible, um, because, um, because I think this is an important program. Um, Bill, I also know that in staff, Definitely need the resources as resources as well. um, and so want to make sure that we we time, we time that correctly because it is a, a really important program for our residents. Um, so yeah, that those are the only comments that I have. Okay, thank you for that, my um, Bill. As far as timing goes, you know the essence of this discussion is financial, which is more or less outside the purview of the Water Committee. I think that the information that committee member Valenzuela asked for is pertinent. And as soon as you can assemble that information, then this, the council can go ahead and have this conversation about uh, adjustments, you know, the possible benefits of, of benefiting more of our customers. Um, and, and, you know, go through all the numbers, which is really what the council does. So. My suggestion would be to bring it back as soon as you have that information uh, so that the council doesn't just come back to you with more questions needing more information. So, you know, as soon as you have the information and can answer the committee members questions that would probably be about the appropriate timing to, to move forward. But if you don't, if you're not armed with that information, it'll just come back to you as a question and you'll be back to the drawing board anyway. I ask a quick clarifying question, Chair? I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I was clear because we we're talking about expanding participation. So I thought participation in SIR was income-based. So do we turn people away for lack of resources now? No, we haven't okay. ever to my knowledge. And this wouldn't change the income eligibility necessarily. That's, that would be a separate consideration. So let me, make sure, let me make sure I understand your question. I think I hear you asking have we ever turned anybody away because of lack of budget or funding in the program? And the answer to that is no. Um, this is the first year, 2022, 2021, FY 2021, we was, you know, we came within $200,000 of expending the full budget. We would expect if we don't make changes sometime in FY 22 to uh, over expend our budget. And we haven't, you know, come to a situation like that, you know, in the past, it hasn't happened. And so no, nobody has, has you know, has okay. been to it. I just wanted, and this item isn't about expanding eligibility. This is just about the weather, what the level of assistance yes, is. Yes, that's correct. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to clarify. Thank you, Chair. Okay. okay, thank you. So I think we can wrap up that discussion. You know, that's, that is a salient point. If, if more people were added to the program, I take it would be because more people would be applying for, for rate assistance. That's correct. And again, we're working with the SMUD database and they're, you know, they're constantly working to increase the number of, of their customers that they have in, in their program. And then that rolls over directly into eligibility for, you know, for our program. Understood. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Um, Chair, could I just, to the next item. If we could can. I just, could I just clarify what, what we're receiving? <laughs> it, it sounds like two of the of the uh, committee members would like us to put this off 
uh, for a while. Um, I didn't hear a specific date, but it sounded like they would like it put off until maybe even early next year. Um, and then you, your recommendation is that we go ahead and bring this to council as soon as we feel like we have information to answer the questions that have been asked uh, in, in this presentation. Is that, is that? Yes. Yeah, I think, I think you heard correctly, yes. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for the, very, very much for the discussion and the, and the input. All righty. So uh, who's presenting on number two? Is that you, Bill? Um, number two is the drainage rate adjustment. And um, I'm going to kick it off very quickly. And then Mike Voss is going to uh, present the information, an overview of the 218 process for the drainage rate adjustment. And then I'm going to go over the schedule. Um, so if you'll go ahead and um, forward that to, the, to Mike Voss's presentation, he can go ahead and get started. Hello, Mike. Thank you, Bill. Um, Chair Harris and members of the Water Committee, my name is Mike Voss. I'm a senior deputy city attorney in the city attorney's office. I'm assigned to the Department of Utilities to the Utilities Rate Advisory Commission, this Water Committee, and the City County Office of Metropolitan Water Planning, also known as the Water Forum. So, and I'm here to talk to you today about Proposition 218. Before I begin, I will just let you know that the city has not raised its drainage rates in 25 years. And so after we go over this presentation, um, you'll understand why. Um, so I'll, I'll do a little bit of background on Prop 218, and then I'll talk about the two-step process that's required for storm drainage rate increases. So could we have the next slide, please? So in 1996, which is about 25 years ago, Proposition 218 was adopted and that governed rate increase processes. And it was intended to prevent cities from raising rates at their discretion and to give taxpayers and residents a voice in the rate increases that cities made. So there's a couple of tiers of requirements for water, uh, waste water and solid waste, um, a protest mailer a hearing and city council approval is required. And so the council and the city have a lot of experience with water, sewer and solid waste uh, rate increases. Um, and they've, they've all happened in the last at least five years or so. Um, storm drainage rate increases, along with some other types of increases are subject to not only the protest mailer and the hearing, but also a balloting process where over half of property owners have to actually vote to approve of the rate increase. So next slide, please. So here's a bit more detail about the protest mailer. Um, the city will send it out and it describes the proposed rate increase in detail. Um, it's usually included in utility bills and property owners have 45 days to formally protest the increase. The city clerk accepts the protests, and if less than one half of the city parcels submit protests, the process continues. And the process almost invariably continues because that's a lot of people who would have to submit protests against the process. You know, we usually get a handful of protests for water, sewer, solid waste increases. So after that 45 day period, um, there's a rate hearing. The city council has delegated its authority to conduct that rate hearing to the Utilities Rate Advisory Committee, URAC, which conducts the hearing, provides an opportunity for public comment, and then passes on a recommendation for city council. Um, so then the council has the benefit of that recommendation from the URAC when they decide whether or not to increase the rates or not. Next slide, please. Um, so the council actions um, for this storm drainage increase will be to accept the recommendation from URAC and to either um, carry forward that recommendation or alter it. And then if city council authorizes a mail ballot election, 
election ballots are um, mailed out and property owners are given 45 days to mail in their ballots, voting for or against the rate increase. The ballots will be tabulated. Only those ballots submitted will be counted. And if a majority of the ballots that are submitted approve of the rate increase, then um, the city would be authorized to impose the rate increase. Next slide, please. Um, so this is the schedule. Um, Bill, I think, were you gonna go over the schedule? I'm gonna go over the schedule. Okay, so any questions about the vote process or the balloting or what makes this a little bit different and unique for storm drainage versus water, wastewater or solid waste? I think it's all pretty clear, Mike. I don't see hands up, so let's keep moving. Okay, so thank you, Mike. Um, we're gonna, um, so we have, have made the decision to move forward and take a run at this. Um, after many years of you know, putting this off, we see a, a window of opportunity where we have uh, support according to a survey that we've done. Um, and so we're busily um, currently uh, briefing council members and we, we have briefed the city management and they've agreed for us to move forward. We will be working with key, key stakeholders and customers uh, over the next several months. Uh, actually, you know, right up until probably right up until we we would issue the ballot in in uh, in January, which you'll see on the next slide. You'll see quite a few URAC. Yeah, you'll see quite a few URAC meetings. Um, one of the things that you don't see on here is, is that we will we will be touching bases again with this committee to update you on the status of the effort uh, next time we meet with you, either in October or November. Um, a key milestone, well, first of all, let me explain that what we're going to be moving forward with is what was presented to this committee. Uh, the When we presented the survey results, it showed support for about a $6 a month increase you know, for our average customer. And so that is what we propose to move forward. One of the, a key milestone will be in October, we're going to be doing another survey, a little bit more detailed and focused to verify that there is still support uh, for that proposal. Um, and the bottom line of course is, if there is not support for that proposal, we will not be moving forward. We would, we would not move forward with a ballot initiative that we're not confident that we you know, can be successful. Um, but you see there a key date would be the Proposition 218 uh, um, protest mailer in early, uh, late October, early November and multiple URAC meetings. Go to the next slide. And then a key meeting for the city council would be uh, uh, January 11th where they would authorize the ballot or we would request or recommend that they authorize the ballot. And then we have the ballot election beginning uh, in early, in mid-January and ending in early March. And then the counting and then the adoption by city council, hopefully, hopefully in April uh, with a, a fee implemented in, 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 in July 1st. That is this, as we move forward, if, it can, if, it, if we continue to experience support especially with the survey, but also with our other outreach, um, that, that would be the, that's the schedule that, uh, that we propose to follow. And that, uh, that ends this, this, this part of the presentation. Of course, I, I'm here to answer any questions or, or, uh, or receive comments. Thank you, Bill. Uh, you know, we've gone over this rate increase a couple of times here at the Water Committee and under, you know, to understand the need uh, understand what the options were moving forward, settled on the $6 rate, which is pretty modest. And you have already previously shown us what you could accomplish with that much money and how that relates to the upcoming uh, debt or going into the red with the storm drainage fee, you know, and the need for projects. We've already gone through all that. Uh, assuming this all moves forward, I rather suppose it will. Um, at what point would you want to make this known to the broader council so that not only at the URAC is this discussed, but that we can take to our constituents and community meetings? Because I, I believe that will be an important part of the process. 
We have already briefed a couple of council members and we will be moving forward in the next several weeks uh, offering in, you know, individual briefings to all the council members. But uh, more specifically, at what point in the schedule would it be most advantageous for council members to go out and do community outreach? I mean, if we go too early, it won't make any sense. Where's the sweet spot there to, for us to assist in the dissemination of public information? Can I get with our consultant and get and get back to you on that? Um, I, I, my sense is that, you know, after October, you know, through, you know, October through January uh, would be this, you know, this, the sweet spot for, you know, for when we'll need that, that assistance and, and that advocacy. Okay, we'll go ahead and speak with your consultant and get back to us. Okay, uh, committee member Vang. Yeah, thank you so much, Chair Harris. Um, I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank Bill and all of the staff that's been re working really hard on this, and also our consultant. I, and I, you know, new council member. Uh, I was a little shocked that we have done any uh, any rate any rate this because we have a hundred year old system, um, and it's so important the funds necessary to repair and and do improvements on our system. Um, because if we don't invest in our system now, we're gonna have to pay for it more. Uh, the cost is gonna be higher and be higher in the law. I uh, just wanted to say, Bill, you know, a great, great job for all the work that you're doing. Really looking forward um, as we're moving forward uh, to October, uh, uh, looking at the outcomes of support uh, before we actually move forward on this, but it sounds pretty positive right now moving forward. Um, and I know this committee stands ready to, to do uh, the education, education if council decides to move forward on it on this, and so I think the time is now, and I'm excited um, for the city as as well. We have to we have to invest right in infrastructure, and this is this is incredibly really important. Just want to say thank you for your hard work. Thank you, council member, and thank you for your support. I appreciate it very thank much. Thank you, my appreciate your I, comment. I I agree completely. Katie, anything I, to add before we move on? She was in the headphones. Can I say one more thing, uh, uh, Councilor? Go ahead, Chair. Two things. One is, as you mentioned, uh, this rate adjustment sh will provide between fifteen and twenty million dollars extra, you know, uh, revenue for our to invest in our system um, annually. Um, and I can't remember what the other one was. It must not have been that important. <laughs> so. Well, what we know is that $15 million is a great help, but it doesn't solve the need over time. That's correct. And that is part of the information that we'll put out to the public. Just be completely transparent with what can be achieved with this rate increase and what can't be achieved with the rate increase. I think both of those pieces of information are very important for our constituents in terms of making their decision to vote for the increase. Good. I remember what I was going to say, and that is we fully anticipate a recommendation from the URAC to include, you know, moving forward, if, if uh, as we move forward with this rate adjustment, if we're successful, that uh, we would have a recommendation that we would include the drainage rate uh, portion of the bill in our uh, rate assistance program. Yeah. And drainage is currently not included in, in, the, uh, in the rate assistance program. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to follow up with that question if it could be. So that's pertinent information as well. Uh, thank you very much for that, Bill. I have a request in the future on our agendas. If you have a PowerPoint presentation, please include it in the agenda so that we can review things like schedules beforehand. Uh, it will save us some time, I think. And, uh, you know, it's always good to have plenty of information at our fingertips. Uh, so that's what generally happens on council agendas, and I think it would be appreciated on the water committee as well. And I'll commit to do the very best that we can. As you know, sometimes these things change, you know, even up to the last minute. But but we can send you something that would be very close to you know, to what we end up presenting. And yes, that's we'll great. we'll commit to do that. Okay, let's move on to item and, number three. Uh, Chair, Chair, I do have one member of the public signed up to make public comment. Are you ready for that? Oh, very good. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you. Um, Daphne Harris? Yes. Go ahead, Mindy. Daphne Harris, will you unmute? It's... Yes, ma'am. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, I would like to understand a little bit more about how the fee increases are going to be allocated. Will it be done based on the number of years an individual has lived in a subdivision? There are bonds that have, we have been paid. Um, 
if we've lived in our subdivision for over 40 years for maintenance and things of that nature. So I'm just curious how you're going to be um, dissem disseminating costs between the infills that you're doing and the existing properties that have already existed. If there are people who have been here for more than 50 years and you're taxing the sewage system with the new fills that you're doing, we want to get an understanding of how those costs are going to be disseminated and allocated to the new properties versus the older ones. Thank you for your uh, comments. Thank you for that, Ms. Harris. Um, Bill, did you have an answer to that? It was a little, a little I, sideways, but do you have an answer for her? I'm not sure I fully understand the question. If the question is how the increase will be allocated, it will be allocated evenly across the, you know, the drainage system. Yes, there are parts of the drainage system then that are newer than others, but it operates as a system. And um, so it'll, it would be applied evenly throughout, throughout the system. I, I think that that answers uh, the caller's question. Um, it's not dependent upon the age of any particular pipes in, you know, in any part of town or projects that need to be built in various aspects of town, but distributed evenly across all the payers, correct? That's correct. Both the cost and the benefit would be distributed evenly across the, the system. Okay, thank you, Katie. Yes, thank you. Um, I just wanted to chime in that this is a really big priority for District 4. We do have some of the oldest housing in Sacramento, which makes for some really beautiful homes, but also some really old pipes. And so I know this has come up quite a bit in terms of our housing element, especially as we talk about densifying um, the urban core is like, what about the infrastructure? How are we going to make sure we can keep up? And so I'm really looking forward to, to helping out with this. And thank you, Bill, um, and your team. And yeah, as soon as you give us the green light and some public messaging materials, we can go out and have, start having conversations. So thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you very much. Okay, Mindy, any other comment? I have no more on this item. Very good. Let's move on to item number three, please. Okay, I think we can move through this pretty quickly. Um, as, you, as you all know, the city manager declared our stage one water watch in July. As a result of that, you know, our DEOU team has been meeting weekly. Citywide task force has been meeting monthly. Um, we have a new website up. Uh, we're pre preparing to send a, a letter citywide informing uh, the city what we, you know, are encouraging them to do. You know, we're going to be putting magnets on our fleet, encouraging people to ask us how, you know, we can save water for our, our field, you know, personnel lots of ads, TV, radio, just a lot of outreach is taking place uh, as a result of, of that declaration um, by the city manager, um, including focus on, you know, in different languages. Uh, next slide. Overall, the residents of the city have done, I, I think, incredibly well. Um, if, you, if you look at, you know, during the, the depths or heights of the drought, whatever you want to call, we were at about 95 gallons per resident, you know, uh, per, you know, per resident per day. Now that's a little bit different than the, our normal GPCD number, which divides all of the water use uh, across all of the residents of the city of Sacramento. This number is focused on residential water use. And so it's a little bit lower than the other numbers that you'll see in just a minute. But you see that from the depths of the drought, we have rebounded only 4% in, you know, in our water usage. And so we're very pleased and proud of the way the city is you know, efficiently using their water. And we're confident that they will respond to this new request to conserve uh, even a little bit more um, than, than they currently are. Next slide. But you, just before you go to the next slide, you can see that in the region, we are, you know, at or among the very best uh, at, you know, in this uh, in this regard, and um, throughout this whole region. Um, next, and you can see this is a to me an amazing story, you know, from about 2000, you know, back when we were using an average of 295 gallons per person per day in the city of Sacramento, we're currently at about 170 which is a pretty amazing number. As I mentioned, the, the residents are doing very well. And so the recommendation that we're making um, based on 
go ahead the next slide please the recommendation that we're making based on the executive order that the governor has has made and also <clears throat> the res resolution that that uh, currently that recently came out of the regional water authority is, is that we increase the voluntary reduction from 10 to 15 percent um, we have made a decision not to recommend that we go to stage two, though we're open to that. Uh, we made that recommendation for two main reasons. One is uh, when we go to stage two, there's an automatic doubling of fines and penalties uh, for water wasting. We weren't necessarily anxious to go there. Um, and two, we're able to uh, abide by the, or, or recommend the 15% without going to stage two. Um, and, and we still have the benefit of of all the other outreach and uh, you know all the other things that we're doing in the city operations and, and outside of the city. Um, we've doubled our rebates recently and got an incredible response from the um, from our citizenry, so much so that we are going to be asking council to increase our our rebate budget by a little over a million and a half dollars. Uh, we think that that's money well spent right now. When we, when we can encourage people to make changes in their lives that will have long lasting effects on the way that they use water. So that is our recommendation to council. Again, open to questions and, and, and input. Thank you, Bill. Um, committee, I'm gonna go ahead and make a few comments here. I'm sure that you are aware um, that uh, the IPCC came out with a document on Monday in which they basically called it a red flag to humanity. Clearly climate change is, uh, the extremities of climate change have accelerated. I first looked at the IPCC document in 2004 and uh, the prognostications that they put out then have accelerated their timetable. What they thought would happen in 2050, they now predict for 2030 or earlier. And just the fact that our Folsom Reservoir did not have the inflows that we anticipated this year and caught all our water managers by surprise, to me, raises a huge red flag. It is conceivable, talked about this at the Regional Water Authority, that even if we have a normal precip year, our Folsom Reservoir still has a 10% chance of being a dead pool next year. This is extremely concerning, water conservation is a big piece of this puzzle. However, the city of Sacramento, even though we have made great strides for conservation, we can still do more, but just our conservation itself won't solve the regional issue. All of the uh, water agencies and all of the constituents in all of our cities um, need to conserve to a commensurate amount for there to be significant changes, uh, you know, significant benefits to our water supply. We're trying to keep as much in Folsom Reservoir going into the winter months as is possible. Hopefully 200,000 acre feet, if it gets down to you know, 120 or so, we're in really big trouble. So uh, these are real big concerns for me. I, I would certainly consider going to our water storage contingency plan to level two. That would be a council decision. As Bill mentioned, that means greater fines for water wasters. But, you know, quite frankly, we give a lot of warnings to water wasters before we find them at all. And yet I still see people sprinkling and pouring water down our storm drain every day. It's, it's a pretty frequent occurrence. Also in stage two, uh, we would limit uh, car washing, I believe, to the days that were allocated for lawn watering. Um, it's not extreme to go to level two, and it might raise more awareness along with the benefits that we're, that we're putting out there by doubling the rebates, which is having a very positive effect. We can ask for 15% voluntary uh, water usage decrease, but it's very hard to know that we're achieving it, for one thing, and it's, you know, we, we don't have anything other than education to encourage our constituents to do so. This drought has got me real worried. I lived through 1976, 77, and the conditions today are far worse, in my opinion. And I believe in most of the water managers' opinion, we are in a difficult 
position. Um, look, you know that I've, I've worked on the sites reservoir committee for a long time. I'm a big believer in the project and we do have a video that I could show you. It's about seven minutes, but I think that we're gonna run short on time. So we may save that for council unless we do have time coming up. Uh, th these are really difficult times and we have to manage our water usage and storage very, very carefully to get through these difficult times. So that being said, uh, we'll go to committee member Valenswood. Thank you, Chair. And um, I think to, to kind of steam off of what you were saying, totally support the idea of doing that sooner rather than later. I honestly think that we're kind of moving past the emergency nature of these, and this is just best practices now. You know, could be thoughtful about when you wash your car, be thoughtful about when you're watering. Like, this is just what we need to do on an ongoing basis, given our new reality, unfortunately. Um, and definitely support thinking through um, how we could how we could help educate. I mean, I always talk about climate change is so much a matter of individual choice. And then this is a real opportunity. And I know it's a huge priority in my district for us to get more proactive and think through what more we could be doing to prepare for the future and to try to limit um, the amount of climate change impacts we see in our region. So very supportive of that. I do wanna bring up and give Bill a chance to address a specific question that we've talked about. Um, several folks have started noticing on their bills, something they think is called a water underuse fee. Um, and they're writing us these emails saying, hey, wait a minute, why am I being penalized for not using enough water? And so I wanted to give you a chance, Bill, to explain publicly what that is and, and isn't um, so that we could, as a good streamlining into um, sort of public education and awareness on how you all are adjusting to the crisis. Thank you, Council Member. I'll take a stab at that. And then I would ask either Fadi or um, Ryan to chime in if I, if I get it a little bit wrong. We have um, wastewater, their uh, commercial or, or multifamily uh, wastewater bills are based on usage. Um, but there is a minimum that we, you know, that we have in place that, you know, there's a minimum charge. And if the, if the charge based on usage goes below that minimum charge, then we would, you know, then it would be bumped up to the minimum charge. And I think that that's the dynamic that, you know, a few of, uh, of your customers are, are seeing. Yeah, essentially it's like the baseline that we need to maintain the system and do the work that you do. And if for some reason someone's used to dip so low, they kind of go back to that baseline amount and it's no longer based on usage. Exactly, so, exactly. Okay. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. We got a lot of calls, which I appreciate from customers who yeah. were like, wait a minute, we should be incentivizing lower use. Um, so I yeah. wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah, thank you. Very good. Um, I don't see, oh, my hand is up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I just, Bill, I'm curious to know um, um, staff's recommendation to not forward is page two. And in particular, wanted to know um, if we have data for example, if we were to move to phase two, how many folks would actually be hit with the fines based on their usage? You know, right now, we are, you know, in, in the last drought, we we find heavily, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it was our main tool to get people's attention. Um, this time we're, we're using our um, patrols as more of a, more of a, uh, an education tool and mm -hmm. an awareness tool. But we're going to be getting to the point pretty soon, even now, if, if we have egregious um, uh, uh, water waste, you know, after several warnings, we'll issue a fine now. I don't, I don't anticipate that what we're doing is going to change that much. We're not giving out very many fines. Although if, if things get more serious, we certainly could start, you know, uh, you know, doing more of that. It's, it's mostly just the fine levels, which I think it's uh, $25, you know, uh, $100 and $500. Those double uh, in the, you know, and uh, based on the, you know, the egregiousness of the, you know, of the water wasting. Yeah, no, thanks, Bill. I was just curious about that because I just wonder, you know, we have programs that is helping to incentivize right water use water usage and uh, doing the work on our education. I just wonder like um, how impactful it is to actually like how impactful are the fines, right? Right. Like once the fines do folks change behaviors or do we want to take more of a positive approach? Um, so I was just curious to know why staff didn't recommend stage two. Um, and it could if, if you have any reason have any reason why at this moment staff is not recommending stage two. 
Um, again, I think that uh, the, the direction that we felt like we were is that we wanted to keep uh, our water patrols more educational than yeah. punitive. Okay. Um, we're certainly, you know, just to give you an idea in the, you know, when we were issuing a lot of fines 2015, I think we did about $70,000 a year in fines. Fines. So it's not, that was the total, you know, so it's not, they're not huge dollar amounts, but it certainly does give, gets people's attention. And to council member Harris's point, uh, that's something that we probably need to do is get people's attention um, on the, you know, on the seriousness of, of the drought. So we're certainly open to, open to suggestion of going to, you know, going to stage two. Thank you, Bill. Well, since that's a council decision, uh, I would like to ask you to bring that option to council. Okay. You know, there are other aspects besides the doubling of fines by going to stage two. And if you look at the water storage contingency plan, they're all listed there. I think it's on page 88, but um, they're mostly educational. There are some actual uh, behavior changing things like washing cars on the days that you can water. Uh, you know, nudges in the right direction. This isn't a punitive measure, but I think people have to really realize that even though our water supply is more or less guaranteed for this year, the more we use this year, the worse we could be next year if we should have a drier than normal winter or even an average winter. It could put us in a, a worse position moving forward. It's really about awareness. It's, it's, it's not about being punitive. It's about getting people to understand the severity of the strat. It's really bad. Okay, we will definitely take that water committee recommendation um, forward as, a, as an option uh, when, we, when we present that to council. Okay, very good. Any other comments? Oh, we do have public comments here, correct, Mindy? That's correct. Um, Daphne Harris? Again, Council, thank you very much for allowing me to speak. I do want to bring to your attention, I understand that you believe that the system is a single system. You have a lot of new development tapping into an existing system. Those who are existing have paid bonds that were 40 and 50 years, and those bonds have been completed. New development needs to have their own source of bonds to pay for their infrastructure that they're developing. We are looking to you to not do a flat fee pass through to everybody who has a parcel unit in Sacramento. We're looking for you to allocate to the new developments accordingly, and we're looking for you to do a flat fee based on usage. That is done in most of the other cities, and we're not clear why Sacramento is not adopting the same plan. Can I comment on that? Yeah, go ahead, Bill. So currently we do not have a drainage impact fee um, unfortunately, uh, we never have had a drainage impact fee for development. We're currently working on a drainage impact fee and hope to be able to bring that to councils you know, realistically sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. But that impact fee is where developers pay their fair share to, to buy into an existing system. And then the, you know, and then the, the rate uh, increase would be a you know that they would they would pay that also so I, I believe that answers the the constituents question and bill can you just confirm really quick the fee is based on size the fee is based on uh uh assumed impervious area area for a given lot size yes yes thank you okay um very good i think that's those oh tony bertrand you have your hand up Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to add um, to that conversation. Uh, new developments do pay for their infrastructure as they are constructed. And so um, the bonds that folks are paying are for the original construction of that infrastructure in the areas that they, they live. Um, that's not for ongoing maintenance or replacement of those systems. So these drainage rates are tied to the ongoing maintenance and um, replacement of those systems as needed. So I just think it's there's a distinction there. The bonds that they're paying are that original construction, and that's how we're moving forward with all new construction within the city. So I think that might just be a 
a clarification that might help. Yeah, thank you, Tony. That actually does add something significant to the discussion. So I hope that helps Ms. Harris. Um, look, we're, we're short on time, as seems to happen every meeting. Jessica, can I ask how so, long your presentation is? And Chair Harris, I have let council members know that we probably won't start the next meeting until about 2.20, if you'd like to continue. I, I would like to give Jessica her chance. I hate to turn people away when they've made the effort to come here. And she has information about, I think, an interesting and significant project. So Jessica, how long do you think it will take to present? Uh, I have about three slides, so I can go pretty fast. Okay, it's all yours. Right. And okay. Chair, Chair well, Harris, staff and council members have, have been notified that we may not start until 2.20. Thank you very much, Mindy, appreciate it. And you need about 10 minutes to change over, correct? That's correct. Okay, go ahead, Jessica. All right, good afternoon, council members. Thank you so much for having me here this afternoon. Um, I am also joined by Erica Bishop, who is a new member of the Water Forum. She's our new program manager and is responsible for the habitat restoration program that the Water Forum is implementing. So if there are any detailed questions, Erica's hearing can help, um, can help answer those. Um, all right, so I wanted to tell you about the Ansel Hoffman project. Uh, this is our 10th restoration project and it's coming up very soon. In the next few weeks, we're gonna get started on construction. This project is located um, just adjacent to the FE on Nature Center in Ansel Hoffman Park. Uh, many of you hopefully have been there. It's an excellent nature, nature center and we're really enjoying the opportunity to work so closely with the FE on Nature Center. So this habitat restoration project has a few aspects to it that I'd like to share. Um, so we are continuing to augment uh, spawning hab habitat in the river. So this is the, the American River here. And then we're also creating some rearing habitat, this little alcove here. Uh, the way I think about spawning and rearing habitat is that spawning habitat is really the, uh, the nursery for baby fish. Um, so the adult fish come in, they spawn and lay the eggs. Uh, the eggs uh, then incubate in that nice cool water, hopefully, um, and in the right size gravel. And then when, once the fish hatch and are juveniles, then they need a nice place to go to um, get bigger. And so that rearing habitat is more like a kindergarten for the baby fish, if you will. Um, so we're creating both of those habitats here along the river um, and then also enhancing them with some, um, some trees and some woody materials and other things that fish like. So this project will take about five to six weeks. Uh, the city of Sacramento Department of Utilities crews are the ones who are out there with the big trucks moving rocks around and getting the project implemented. Um, that in and of itself is a great partnership and we really enjoy working with those crews. Um, and we see some pretty good results. So this is two, uh, a before and an after photo of the last project that we did in 2019 at Upper Sailor Bar. And on the left, you'll see the American River. So you're looking downstream here, you're looking towards the city. Um, and you can see sort of the shallower areas are a little bit darker or a little bit more brown. And then the deep, deep areas are darker blue water. Um, so that's all before construction. After construction, you can see that there's large patches of sort of lighter colored rock. That's where we laid the spawning gravel um, for those fish that are coming in and trying to spawn. And then over on the right, you can see that there's this really cool sort of side channel there. Um, that side channel has some neat features to it, sort of these little alcoves that fish really like. Um, and this project has been in the, the river for two years now, and it's still going great. Um, almost immediately after the project, we saw uh, uh, the salmon come in, and you can see these sort of egg-shaped little spots on the gravel. Those are called reds or nests. And that's where the salmon come in and they lay their eggs. Um, so we don't often get instant gratification in the world of water and environmental policy, but for projects like this, we come in, we construct them, and then a few months later, we've got fish coming in and using the projects, which is really quite satisfying. Um, and we had this year, so in 2019, right after the project was implemented, we had 1,600 reds or 1,600 fish nests. Um, and they were so dense that they were almost overlapping. So really great success story from that project and really from most of the projects that we've been implementing in the river. So I wanted to just take one more minute and talk about public outreach. Um, this project is a really neat opportunity to partner with the FEI Nature Center. 
They already have great education programs, uh, both re reaching out to disadvantaged communities and really engaging with school children. And we're really excited to be working with them this year. So we've been doing pretty robust work. Um, we've done three open houses so far. Uh, we have targeted uh, outreach to uh, different user groups like recreation, fishing, and sort of the river, river rafting and canoeing community. Um, and then on our website, we've got a bunch of materials, fact sheets, FAQs, briefing tools, uh, toolkits, et cetera. Uh, we've been doing a lot of radio and news interviews lately. Um, and then also, um, we are going to be doing some tours during construction. So we have some site tours coming up probably the second and third week of September. Um, and there's more information on our website. So I will stop there and see if there are any questions. Thank you, Jessica. I appreciate the update. Of course, this year, the flows are low and the water is warm. Yes. It definitely doesn't bode well for spawning. Uh, but nonetheless, it seems worthwhile to create more habitat. We won't always be in the drought, and so it's great to be ready for it. Um, Councilmember Valenzuela. Yeah, I just wanted to propose, because I, I support the idea you mentioned at the beginning of the meeting, Chair, maybe doing meetings more frequently, especially given the drought this year, um, so we have a little bit more time to discuss. But for this topic in particular, given the high-level public interest, I wonder if we'd consider like a workshop or just some sort of community event in between this meeting and our next meeting so that it gives Jessica a chance to talk about what they're doing, because this is a really cool project, and it also gives the public a chance to understand what steps are being taken to try to keep the fish um, healthy, especially this year, um, just for consideration. But good job, Jessica. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And council member, I'd be more than happy to facilitate that on our end. Yeah, Katie, thanks for the suggestion. You know, the water form is something that a lot of people aren't completely aware of and don't understand the collaboration between and, the, and, and you know, the agreement between the water forum, the city, uh, the county, and so forth. So there's a lot of information buried here, and it's very important to our region. So good suggestion. Uh, committee member Vang, any comments? Oh, I was just going to say something similar as well. Um, I also be down to, I'd love to do a tour as well. It'd be really great if the three of us went out there. Maybe um, Chair Harris have already been out there, but I think it'd be great for all of us to go out there and go out there and do it to all. So thank you so much, Jessica, for all your hard work. Yeah, my, it, it's fun. It's, it's a neat process to watch. Um, and yeah, so it's worth a field trip. All right, we'll set, we'll set that up. Chair, uh, Chair Harris, can I just, again, get a clarification? It sounded like Councilmember Valenzuela was suggesting that we bring maybe a short workshop to council uh, to, to talk about this or, or something with the water committee. I think you were indicating water committee. Is that correct, Katie? Yeah, I was thinking water committee, but I mean, I defer to what y'all think would make most sense. Just the public, you know, maybe an evening time thing where we could say, hey, if you're interested in the fish. So, but you're, so you recommended that maybe we have before our next regular water committee meeting, a, a scheduled workshop just focused on this, uh, on this uh, topic. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, very good. You know, there are a lot of things coming up and we have reserved a spot in September, I think, uh, if, if items come up that require our attention. So we may have a special meeting before November, uh, in any regard. But, you, you know, as often happens here, um, we run out of time. And, and Jessica, thank you for coming. Sorry to give you kind of short shrift here, but uh, we'll make more time in the future because these are very, um, very interesting issues. And I think we can stimulate a lot more interest by giving it the due attention that it needs. Okay, any final comments from committee members? We've got a long day ahead of us, as you're both well aware. We're probably going to be at this, I would guess, till 10. So, um, yeah, you know, fasten your seatbelts is all I can say, and get ready for a long one. Get some snacks and uh, stay hydrated. Anyway, to our, to our utilities team, thank you very much for all the work you do. This is really important stuff for us to move through. Mai, you have another comment? Yeah, I just I, mean, I just wanted to say thank you to Bill and Roshni. Um, our office held a Let's Talk About Water live chat um, this month, and I just want to say thank you. It was super, it was super informative, probably uh, the most engaging uh, chat that we had compared to other live chats. And so I just want to take this opportunity to thank Bill and, and Roshni and, and all the staff that participated in that. So thank you so much. Yeah, that was our pleasure. Thank you.
All right, Madam Clerk, any comments not on the agenda? Any follow-up from the community? No, I have no public comment for matters not on the agenda. All right, thank you very much. We'll call this meeting adjourned. Okay, one down.